0: Hello, you lovely, lovely people, and welcome to the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you a second interview with Joe Norderbeer. Uh Joe came on to, it was episode number 19. He's uh, He was a, a world champion, master's world champion, a brown belt. He's now a black belt. Um, teach him in one of the schools, or he has his own school in Mallorca, one of the islands, one of the Spanish islands. In the in the Mediterranean, and <clears throat> I won't I won't tell you too much about Joe. Go back to episode nineteen if we want to hear more of his backstory about how he trained jiu jitsu after breaking the neck. It was a very popular episode, so I was really keen and excited to get Joe back on. And we, it's a bit bit, bit of a different angle. And um, in, in this show, we talk a little bit about the Mallorca BJJ and Yoga Festival he's got coming up. Uh, we talk about. Um, one of the most, one of the funniest stories I've ever heard Joe tell me and Joe's a pretty funny guy. I'm just going to refer to it as the yoga sha la la story and <laughs> you've got to listen to it. And when you do you'll. I was, I, I don't know, maybe you'll, you'll hear me laughing through the episode, but I was absolutely dying hearing him <laughs> retell his story and seeing him do the actions over the video. That in itself is, is worth listening to guys. That's worth the price of entry is what I would say, Um, but the big topic that we get onto is regenerative farming, um, and paleo permaculture is another term that Joe uses, and I, I won't explain it too much now because I can't, I don't know enough about it, but it was fascinating hearing Joe talk about sustainable ways that we could eat as humans that don't rely on mass factory farming. If we start going back to traditional ways of farming and cultivating food and meat and he we talk about some of the arguments against, um you know, sorry, th- there are some arguments against eating meat, uh, eating kind of a paleo type diet, and people say that it's not sustainable we you have to have factory farming or you have to go vegan all of these kind of things he throws some throw some cold water on the claims that uh you know all of all of the cattle that we that we raise for um for the purpose of, of of eating meat is one of the big causes in global warming. So he's got some interesting theories on that. And it, this is one of Joe's big passions and I think has been a passion for longer than jiu-jitsu has. So it was really interesting to, to hear Joe talk about it. And we're probably going to need to do a second episode because we barely scratched the surface. But the reason I think it's um, really relevant for for you listeners as someone who's you know very health conscious and wants to look after the body for the purpose of jujitsu and other areas uh, i think uh, you know for, at least from a personal perspective i'm very conscious of what i eat for what it does to my body um and you know looking for grass-fed organic and those kind of things but i think probably less about where it comes from um in relation to you know, if it's grass-fed, organic, great. But I'm not really thinking wholesale about what, where I'm putting my money in terms of mass food production and what that's doing for the, um, the environment. Um, yeah, I think what it's doing for the environment and what it's doing for food production as a whole and what it does for us in terms of nutritional value, etc., etc., etc. So I think it's it's opened opened the door to uh, for me in for a lot of these things and was was really fascinating actually, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just pausing, it was, we actually, actually spoke to Joe last week rather than, I should have recorded this straight after the show because I'm pretty pumped but um, didn't have the time to do so. But anyway guys, I'm, I'm rambling on, um, I hope I've convinced you past my ramblings that it's going to be a good interview to, to listen to. Uh, but quickly before we get into the conversation with Joe, don't forget that uh, the guys at Mobilitas have hooked us up with uh, hooked you up, I should say, with 15% off all orders using the code Strength15. It's in the show description below, so check that out. And then store so is the link to mobilitas.store. so make sure to check those out. Uh, those guys out. You know, my favorite, my um, you know, my favorite self massage tool that I use is this Sphere. Uh, it's it's medium-sized black ball that's brilliant for hitting a bunch of bunch of areas Uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway with mobilitas on instagram very very soon so look out for that but otherwise guys um yeah use that code strength 15 and let's get on with the show you're listening to the bjj strength podcast helping you be your best physically On the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Street Podcast. With your host,
1: BJJ Black Belt. And physical optimization specialist,
0: Lawrence Griffiths. I'm I'm, rolling. No, it's not at all. Well, we might, be, yeah. If you rattle it around too much, we might pick it up on the audio. But we're we're live, um, and, okay. and guys, welcome to the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. And we've got back by popular demand, Joe Noderbea, um, our resident black belt under the Hodja Gracie team over in uh, Mallorca, Mallorca, Spain. Um, the founder of what is what would you call in, not inaugural inaugural year? The inaugural year of the yoga. No, the Mallorca bjj and yoga festival which i'm sure we we'll talk about um yeah say hello buddy
1: hi buddy good to see you again it's always good to talk to you absolutely um, because just because we can just chat and chat and chat i mean you said yeah. you've only got like an hour and it's like okay i guess we can do that
0: uh Fit yeah. some stuff in we'll probably we'll, we'll probably fit half of one topic with how much, yeah. how much, how much, how much we talk. No, we. Um, so let's just get straight into it, right? If people, if you want to know about Joe, his background, I'll link to the original, the first episode when Joe came on. But otherwise, you, you wanted to talk. Let's. Do you want to talk about the festival first or regenerative farming?
1: Well, <laughs> well, let's just. I'll just talk about the festival really quick, so so everybody knows it's going great. Right, we're actually, we we surpassed the amount of sales we thought we would have in ticket sales. Wow. we're not we're not even six months to to the festival yet and yeah. you know when you look at the data like when when the average person or couple or family or whatever books a, a vacation holiday right it's only like eight percent would ever book before six months i mean have you ever booked the holidays six seven months out Probably well not, i i know rare, right?
0: i know from my day job that for like business travel and stuff, it's like seven days before most people. Yeah, do.
1: business. Well, that's business it's, it's, travel, but leisure, it's a
0: little different. But leisure, leisure. No, I've i like,
1: I think the, the the in in our looking at the statistic, about three months is the sweet spot. Yeah. I'm not sure where, where we might not even have any tickets by then, but uh, we we've done really really well. Funny enough, and it's funny where they all came from. Right? I was thinking, oh for sure, we're going to blow London out of the water, right? Like it's Roger Gracie, da da. Um, but it, it came from they're coming in from like all over the place. You really? Know? Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is a lot of them are coming from North America. So, yeah, wow. and, and and like yeah, like some from New York, and then there's been a couple from like like little towns in Middle America.
0: Yeah. Well, little you've got towns to. C- middle- they probably got to get three flights <laughs> to get there.
1: With uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're probably gonna have to connect. Yeah, I mean, like if you're coming from middle, like one guy's from Arkansas and one guy's from Indiana, like little towns, to
0: connecting Chicago, from, go to London or Paris, Chicago, Chicago or
1: Barcelona. Uh, Chicago could go to Barcelona and then to yeah, it's gonna be two flights because there's no way, there's no direct, there's no international flights in the in Palma, right? yeah. And so yeah, they're in for a long, a long, a long trip, but you know they're coming. But All the any, ages and sizes and
0: everything. That's incredible. That's incredible, and it's uh because you must have been pretty nervous at the start of whether
1: it's pretty crazy yeah yeah no it's pretty it's pretty it's it's pretty nervous but you kind of know like you know a lot of it a lot of this all started when i was at roger gracie back in the day and there were different camps going on and things like that and, and you know that crew over there right it's like there's a totally mixed bag in Ro- roger gracie london right you know you got like the some super banker rolling with like the coffee shop guy across the street with you know all all different kinds right and and I talked to a lot of these guys and I asked them and say, well, you ever go to one of these BJJ camps or in BJJ? Oh. And I like, oh, no, man. My wife doesn't want to go do that. Mm-hmm. She's not going to want to go to some camp. Yep. So I thought, well, what if you, know, what if you had this like, amazing five-star hotel, which any wife or partner or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever would like, right? And then yoga. And on the, and yeah, and there's yoga or not do anything. If it's, and you could just let it sit on a lounger and drink sangria. All day. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. but they'd have an, a blast while you duck off for a few sessions here and there into like, and the big room, like if it's a 220 square meter it the big room. That's the BJJ room. Um, and it's 220 square meters and it just overlooks the sea. It's massive. And there's basically going to be seminars throughout the day from like, basically we're thinking 8am. We're thinking some people will get up at 8am to do it, get it out of the way. Right. 8am mm-hmm. all the way to like 9pm. And so, that's just going to be BJJ all all day. And we've got like Clark Gracie, we got uh, Marifio Gomez, you know, Roger Gracie's dad, Ross Nichols, you know, is going to be working on just leg locks. So this is another thing. If you're a black belt, a lot of black belts and stuff and brown belts, you you don't want to go to camps, right? Because camps are, you know, what do I need to learn? But uh, you know it, right? That there's brown and black belts out there, plenty of black belts that have been black belts for probably a decade or longer that never messed around with legs. They don't know leg locks and they're, some of them are like, you know, I don't, I don't think you should do it, and da-da-da. But, but because they're already black belts, their chances of learning go up greatly, right? Each class is going to be all technique for 75 minutes. There's no sparring in the class.
0: There's, so I'm, it's like, why not? Go ahead. I'm, 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 looking at, I'm looking at the instructor list, right? So you've got Mauricio Gomez, Clark Gracie, Daniel Strauss, uh, mm-hmm. Fionn Davis, first British adult black belt world she, champion. She, she's on a tear. Yeah, she's in she, an absolute terror. How well do you, I I'm trying to get her on the, on the podcast. So you're going to need to try and connect you might have to connect me with her cuz I sent the message on uh, Instagram but that stuff gets lost.
1: Yeah, I don't know I don't know her that well. Um I've just been you know I've just basically she's so busy. I don't yeah. really know her that well. Um she,
0: uh yeah, I don't know. You just reach out to her. I I well, I'll do I'll do it again. Yeah. I'm, I'm, she's so good though. She's so good though. I mean gosh you know you've got, got ross well ross nichols as you said um who's been a guest of the show mario bazuri um uh, but i've not come across him but he's got you know medal at the europeans abu dhabi world pro then samantha cook she's um i think it's a brown belt world champion i believe european champion belt. she's
1: black belt now yeah black she's, belt she's now. done really well yeah yeah she's, done really yeah, well. you know, she's
0: doing like a go ahead but uh, look, I, I'm going to put it out there right, as, a, as a black belt. And if you're a black belt, you think you can't learn from any of these people. Um, I've I've sparred you know with, with some of these people, trained with fifty percent of them, I think. And believe you me, right? There's a ton of stuff that you're going to learn as a black belt. That's the thing. Well, that's the thing with the leg locks. Some of them don't want to learn
1: it, but it's like, wait a minute. You could probably go in there when you're dealing with Dan Strauss and like let's just say <laughs> Roth Nichols. You just go in there and and like it's like crashing for a test like in college like you just gotta get some coffee and cram it all in they're gonna learn it much faster than anybody else I mean within the festival they could probably be pretty darn good after that right
0: so so even on top even on top of that if I can if you don't mind me adding in and then Mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt but um i've done a session once with mauricio um, i've trained with clark a couple of times and just two examples i can think of right off the top top of the bat they showed me little details Mauricio showed me something from escaping side control and clark Racy showed me something from doing the americana or kimura mm-hmm. from side control mm-hmm. on top and mm-hmm. they were small details small, tiny details that transform the way I do. I handle both those positions that I still use to this day, every single time I'm there. So even forget the leg lock stuff. Know. It's yeah. even, even the little details you'll find within the positions you think you already know that can completely transform your game.
1: Yeah, that's it. So I, I wanted the festival to be more than just, it's a festival. It's going to be obviously it's going to be a lot of fun because there's, I mean, we've got like all these paddle boards already set up. They're free. You can just take them. Like we've got cool. an on-site. Free diving instructor have you ever free dived before like literally the water is crystal clear and it's warm when you, it's what, what, really when, you say,
0: when you say free dive in what is what, what is free diving?
1: in it means you've got to get yourself into a trance no tank and see how deep you can go
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> down, yeah.
1: down a line like into the abyss you know and there's all these you know it's it's an entry-level course uh, uh, that he's gonna put on and you can just go every day he's gonna do a few courses he's, he's one of my students right so that's he's, cool he wants to go to all the yoga ones because there's going to be some yoga seminars, just to go into that, that are into this sort of meditative breathing. We're also going to have some Wim Hof type uh, – a guy that's trained with Wim Hof who's going to do some cold water therapies. And So it's really jumping in and out of anything you want. Remember, the big room is going to do all BJJ. We're just – we we've BJJ only in that room all day. Then there's – a bunch of other rooms around, around the property, right? It's three and a half acres, the whole hotel. We've booked the entire thing out, all the grounds. We can do whatever we want. We can put, we can put swings in there if we want. It doesn't matter. But uh, there's a basement room that's about 100 square meters that's going to be like a dark sort of candlelit yoga place for meditating. Then there's an outdoor place by the sea that, uh, that, that's going to be – the sunrise there is fantastic. Um, and uh, it's just – there's just going to be – then there's going to be mats outside for just anybody that wants to free roll out, out on the grass, and I have maps on the grass, a lot of pine trees. And again, see, it's just basically a peninsula.
0: Go ahead. I can see the jack clovers there as well. I didn't recognize him at first with his massive beard and
1: Yeah, he's he's part of the festival. He's really helping me out. Um we're working together on this and um cuz he's worked a lot of camps before.
0: Right? I didn't I didn't realize he was a yoga teacher as well.
1: Yeah, yeah he's a yoga teacher. Um yoga teacher and um he's coming out here to Mallorca actually to help me while I go to America. I'll be in America in 2 weeks where are you going to be covering my school uh arizona we're going down to mexico you know mm-hmm. my brother's taking me down to mexico and it's really funny because it's are just like oh, we're going on to mexico we're gonna be on the beach and i'm like okay jack
0: great i, I live, I live on, on the beach, beach. <laughs> i live on the beach
1: <laughs> but i just want to see you guys it doesn't matter <laughs> i live right by the beach anyway i mean i can see the
0: sea every day let's call let's um, call you let's call your brother out real quick right um because we were talking offline um he invited me to that trip, but I can't make it, unfortunately. But I'm going to be with him. Oh, with him. come on! I know it's um, we've got so much on with my wife's course, and she's just started a new job, and yeah. we're planning to we're planning to buy a house later this year. So, but we're going to go to them in Flagstaff because obviously they have the place in Flagstaff. So it's yeah. they're hooking they're hooking us up. But what we can call out your brother Jack because I, I'm going to do a podcast with him. I haven't told him yet, but he, <laughs> he's now going to know. He to this. I'm going to do a podcast with him in Flagstaff. Maybe we can compete, compete you against each other to see who gets the most downloads. Oh, dear. He's
1: probably going to get everybody in his school. He's got a pretty big school. He's probably going to have everybody. That's good. Hey, great. I love a little competition with him. Him and I have only been in about 10,000 10, fights with each other. You know, when we see each other, it's just... When we, when, every time I go to, to, to Arizona, we just go to the, where the, the, you know, his school. And it's like we don't really spar with anybody else. We just go after each
0: other and try and see who gets the last tap. <laughs> but you you you're both you're both world champions aren't you at um yeah
1: the at, masters yeah
0: yeah masters and um you were brown belt and he was brown belt or purple belt
1: he got his at purple belt i got mine at purple and brown purple and brown yeah but he he gave me he gave me the pass on on both of them you know
0: Ooh, um, yeah so you could maybe you could split them you could have one and a half each
1: yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, he's, so he could, at least he got one. Thank God. The next year after, you know. But he's doing the black belt worlds now uh, in in March, so we'll see how he does there.
0: I not in, oh. in, in August. You mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Are you doing that? Must. Yeah, I'll do. Um, Vegas is a four-hour drive. Um, uh-huh. I don't compete as much as I used to, and as much as I'd like to. Um, for uh-huh. you know, just time and commitment reasons. But on my doorstep, I have Pan Ams. Four hours away is the Masters World, not too far away. Um, mm-hmm. The Nogi World is usually in Southern California, and mm-hmm. sort of three of the biggest competitions in the world. Mm-hmm. And well, the Nogi is, is fairly big, not in terms of the numbers, but it's still it's the World Championships, right? So if I don't mm-hmm. do those every year, apart from some unexpected reason, I'm it's stupid not to.
1: Right, yeah, that's yeah, well, right there. You know, to pay for the flights like we did, like Europeans do. I wish they'd yeah. moved the Worlds. It really bugs me that the Worlds is in one spot. I wish that they did it every four years. It came around to the same place. Like they should have, they should move everything around. You know, mm. the world should be the world should be at least in Europe once every four years or three years. I think, and then maybe I mean once a year, maybe not quite in Brazil because that's too far. But maybe Cancun, so a lot of Brazilians can come to Mexico because a lot of Brazilians can't actually get to America. Yeah, you know? but
0: maybe maybe the justification for it is that you have the worlds in one place. You have the Brazile- Brazileros, obviously in Brazil, mm-hmm. you have the Europeans, and then you have the Pan Ams, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's yeah. the Grand the grand Slam, isn't it? Those four. And then, you know, the Masters mm-hmm. Worlds and Adult Worlds are separate, different locations, but both in the same place each year. Um, yeah. So maybe that's the way they, 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 they justify it. It'd be interesting to see if you, they did the Masters. Cause the Masters Worlds used to be in Brazil, right? Until very recently. Yeah. Yeah. And i would be interesting to see if they did it, you know, in Brazil, to see the, 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 who would win. Because I, uh, what everything I've been told, well, not everything, what I've been told by you know a lot of the guys that we trained with in London, the, you know, Caesar and Hagerio and Stafford um, or Eddie before before he moved on, is that you have all these amazing black belts in Brazil, and I believe this that you never hear of because. Mm. They, they, you know, they have, they can't afford to get out of the country, you know, and, and go right. on travel yeah. and travel and compete in these other places. Yeah, so be interesting to see if you. I, I, I think I need to go and go and compete in Brazil at one point. Has to be done Yeah, I've never been either. You're pretty cool. Yeah, never been. So b- back to the festival then, really quickly. Um, your Joe, you still there, or are you just hitting your screen? Oh, you so, still, you still, yeah. still you still there? Um. It sounds like everything is going really well and, yep. and if people want to get a place to go and train with all these amazing instructors, do yoga, do free drive, free dive in, party, eat, go on the beach. They need to get on it pretty quickly then because it's filling up pretty fast.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, no, right now. I mean, there's a 10, there's 10% off still until Saturday. I've just extended it till Saturday. Okay. Just because a lot of guys say, oh, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm you know, and so, okay, I'll, so, so not S- Saturday, S-
0: Saturday, 13th of April, depending on when you listen thir-
1: to it 13th of April. Yeah. Th- Saturday, 13th of April. So it's 10% off. Um, I think you've got a promo code, right? Yeah. Which is um, early griff 50, which if you use that promo code, all of your followers, anybody that uses that, not only will they get the 10% off, but they'll also get 50 euros each uh, hotel spend. So if you have a double room, that's a hundred euros. So massages, drinks, food, whatever you got, a hundred euros on your room tab, just to spend at the hotel. And re- remember the deal: the, the the festival already comes with breakfast every day, which is ridiculous. Like it just goes on forever. Like they had a bee big chunk of beehive in there, like of honey beehive just dripping. That was your honey. Like crazy stuff, crazy crazy stuff like that. Oh and then my God. you got this: the opening night has a big paella launch launch party, and then the closing party is a seafood barbecue. So. Yeah, it's that. And it's funny, though, because we've got you know some yoga people that have joined that have no, you know, there's a lot of people, remember, a lot of these people that are going to this festival, you know, it's half, only half BJJ, the other half's yoga. And there's a lot of yo- yogis coming, and they have no idea what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is. Like, talking to some of them, they think it's like Wang Chung or Kung Fu or something like that. Like, yeah. they have no idea. Like, <laughs> some, they're just coming because they think it's cool. Like, oh, this is really interesting. It's a martial art. They have no idea what So, it really is taking, two communities and sort of throwing them all together and see what see what happens
0: <laughs> but they <clears throat> pardon me they're, they're two communities that intermingle or you know could intermingle very closely and i think that cr- cross pollination that's when you start to share ideas and come up with new things and kind of you know grow and expand what you have already
1: right yeah yeah exactly um they do well together. I mean, it seems like uh, I've noticed that when anybody comes into the school that's, that's totally into yoga, they tend to really stick with jiu-jitsu a lot more than just the average person. Mm-hmm. They, seem, they seem to like it. And I said this on the last, last podcast. I think it's because if you stick with yoga only and you start totally getting into the sort of meditative side and be peace, 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 and oh, peace and quiet, peace, peace. You know, there's no rage there. Yeah. There's no chaos and I think, I think humans, and we talked about it this last time with the, this, this paleo thing that I can't stop banging on about, that it's not only about food, it's, it's like almost about our nature and our mentality that, you know, we kind of need this chaos sort of in us and God, you can't beat jujitsu as a way to get it in there in a safe, fun way, to feed that little dirty demon, dark side of you that wants to choke somebody. Yeah. Because I think you'd go nuts if you were just constantly talking about the peace and the flow of the world and you need to have both you know i went to oh god so i went to um i'm trying to find a a, a second studio in palma right my studio is in a little village called el toro i'm trying to find another place in palma and there's this there's this yoga studio over there uh and they do kundalini and and this kundalini yoga very feminine based yoga right that's what kundalini is it's celebrating the feminine so cool all right and they said well we have space we can maybe we can maybe rent it for you because again they think it's kung fu they think of we're going to be doing tai chi or something right so i went in and it was a nice place and i'm still trying to work with it on them because it turns out they actually know more than i thought about jiu-jitsu and i walk in and, and so i, I wearing my black gi but i wear the gi bottoms in a black um a black uh rash guard long sleeve and i'm walking i have no idea what to expect and i walk in and they're like hi oh, Yes, yes, we've got a spot for you right in the middle. I go, okay, cool. All right, I'm ready to do some down dog, right? I walk in, and there's, 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 a, there's a stage. There's a guy sitting in the – like, uh, there's cross legs and a big gong, and there's all these women completely dressed in white, Everybody's wearing white, white white he- turbans, white, he- flowing white stuff. And they're all got their hands like, and they're doing like this mo- motion like this. And they go, sha-la-la-la-la. La, la, la. So hands sha, in the air, hands up in the air. Sha, sha. Hands up, and they're going, sha-la-la-la-la.
0: La, la. Repeated, repeated, <laughs> sha la la
1: la So I'm like, cool. All right. So I sit down, and like I'm sit down and i looking, and then everybody starts looking at me.
0: So they circle went, oh, they're, they're, they're circled around you?
1: No, no. They're all looking forward at, at the guy up on the thing. And 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 so I just sit down on my mat, and they're all going shla la la, la shla. La, shlam, shla, <laughs> shla la, la. So I sit down, and I just go fuck it shla, shla la shla la shla shla la la shla la la all in black, but everybody's looking at me like you know. And there's like it's mostly women, and then I'm slapping slum for about like 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> And they stop, and then they all look, and they all start. They're all drinking tea, and then they all look, and then they get up, and then the main chick gets up. Guru Jackie, she's a cool, cool lady. Calls herself Guru, but you know, really nice, really good speaker. Um, and and she owns the place, and she's American actually. And then they, like, just different, different singing and chants and all that. And I actually felt kind of good after I got out of there. I thought it was kind of cool, you know. And then they, and then she goes, "Okay, uh, if anybody wants to dance, they can." She puts some music on, and everybody just sort of gets up and like kind of like dances, like in like, I don't know, how do you describe it? Like sort of Woodstock sort of like, I don't know. They're all they're all just, just sort of just sort of just dancing like in place. Like it's like, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and the dance and I'm just sitting there like, and everybody stood up and just started dancing. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> shit, man. Am I going to, I can't dance. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get up and dance. But it, that, nobody was, nobody it wasn't dancing. Like they were at a club or anything. Nobody was like twerking, you know, <laughs> They were just, they had flowing robes and stuff like that. So I, I just sort of stood up and started talking to people and it was good. You know, we'll see if I, we'll see if I open up a school there. I told them, look, I'll do it, but we've got to map this whole place. <laughs> right. We're going to map the whole place and we've got to have mats on the wall. And I, I, you know, and they said, well, maybe we'll do that. I guess, I guess we can do what we do on this. Okay. All right, cool. Anyway, that's my yoga story. My Kundalini yoga story. So
0: it, sound, so, I, it sounds like a scene out of like Eyes Wide Shut. You seen that film? Stanley well, believe me, b- b- believe me, I thought about it. Because <laughs> I just kind
1: of, <laughs> believe me, I kind of, I definitely thought about that. I just, I, re- I definitely, it doesn't, can't help cross your mind. You kind of walk in there and it's just this estrogen in there. And you're just like, come, you're walking in, you're all black. I felt like Johnny Cash, you know, <laughs> like, coming in. And, and then the, the chick at the front of the thing, she goes, we've got one of, uh, we've got a jujitsu guy here. Uh, he's come to join us. She didn't. She didn't say point him, point me out. But it's pretty damn obvious who it was, right? <laughs> I'm sitting in a sea of white, and I'm this guy dressed in all black. You know, so I did feel kind of cool in a way. Like you, know, like, you know, I didn't know what they thought it, what, what it was. And, but then it was just a lot of women looking at me, and I, so I so, sort of, sort of, kind of got a little bit like, oh, this does feel a little bit like white. I think, I, I, think so, I might just
0: come back so, again. So when should I take my clothes off?
1: Yeah. I'll
0: lie down here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? If, um, you know, I'll go back and talk about measuring stuff over there. You know, it works out. could work out really well. <laughs> that's so bad. No. Oh my God. That's hilarious. I know. i <laughs> So anyway, we'll see if I get a spot. I want to get a spot out in Palma. Jiu-Jitsu's blowing up. It's starting to blow up in Spain a little more, and you know it's a good environment for it. But yeah, I, the, go ahead.
0: I was going to ask you. So I know in France, I know this is the case, and you know obviously Spain's going to be really different. But in France, judo is big in France. But, I, I, but I've heard that the, it's one well, it's a national sport, right? It's government funded, and I've heard mm-hmm. a problem with Jiu-Jitsu in in France or at least from an instructor perspective, is it's very hard to make money because judo is so cheap and so heavily subsidized. And you know, while yeah. judo is not about making money, if instructors can't make a living, they're not mm. going to open schools, right? So it, it does stifle mm. the growth of it. Do you, any, any similar kind of you know, holdups in Spain, do you think, because of links with other sports? or
1: No, unlike France. Yeah, no, France, France definitely has that problem. That's why it's, it's, but it's still growing nevertheless, but yeah, you're right. It's hard to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just governments, you just work for the government if, if you, if you're, if you're a judo player, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that, what's the guy, Teddy Rainer?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's on pretty good money, apparently. Apparently he does really, really well over there. So it's huge. Yeah. It's massive. It's a shame. Um, no, there's nothing like that here. It's, but it is sort of growing, like it's getting really popular. So um, it's kind of like what England probably was 10 years ago the UK. Okay. Know? So it's good it's it's um yeah, I mean my markets I, I think it's only last time mine's is the English speaking market here. So there's already a couple good schools that speak Spanish. Yeah. So the festival all the festival will all be in English, you know. Um yeah.
0: So it's growing. So, That's cool. That's cool to hear. Yeah.
1: Um
0: so I, I I'm not sure whether to, where to go after that I eyes wide chat story. That was I wasn't expecting that, but I just almost. Oh,
1: I'll take you there, man. It'll be. Let's, let's go. Let's go drink the Kool Aid. Uh, <laughs> they, they had some really cool tea. Um, it was well, another real quick, just not to finish that off. It was really strange. In between the yoga scenes, everybody would get on their phones. Like having your phone was really was really normal mm. and they also she also talked about a lot of businesses and stuff like instagram and theory about instagram it was really sort of open it was like an intellect it was like yoga mixed in with talking and listening to her she's written a lot of books check um and it was you know talking about the, the, the psychology behind social media and and then they were a lot of times they were on their phone There'd never been to yoga class where people jumped on their phone in between sort of 20 minute sessions but who's to say another thing that was strange Wow. Not strange i mean who's to say anything strange is they all sat on lamb <laughs> so there's another scene for you right everybody well they're sitting on yoga yoga mats or lamb skins like or or, or sheep skins like so there's just skins everywhere so i started to sort of feel like a little bit like conan coming in there you know what i mean like <laughs> skins everywhere and there's like chick dancing around there's a big gong I'm not shitting you. I, I mean, if you went at night, imagine if you went at night for one of those candlelit ones, and everybody's dancing around, and there's gongs, and, and you come in in your gear and everything. So, so yeah, we'll have to. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll take a little a little a little uh, detour on the on the festival and explore this place. <laughs> we might actually have her. We might actually have her. Her, and her her. You might see a bunch of flowing robes walking around. There probably will be for sure.
0: As long as she doesn't listen to this episode before. before no,
1: the no, I don't, I don't think she'll know. <laughs>
0: we'll tell her She's after. From Cal-
1: yeah. Yeah, there we go. Well, she'll be a
0: cool it. I'm sure. She's from California.
1: She's from America. Yeah. I don't, she lives in LA somewhere. So she actually knew a lot about jujitsu. Yeah. And she, she actually knows. Cause I said, yeah, well, It's kind of the Mecca. Southern California is kind of the Mecca of jujitsu now. Like, you know, it's, it's where they all go. It's the best place. And so, yeah, she says, yeah, they know a lot of, a lot of, she knows a few red belts, actually. Really, really. I mean, I'm trying to think. Are there any red belts in California, though? Carly, I think. I think. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Uh, Clark's dad lives around there, probably. So. Uh, he's, he I
0: he came. He came to teach a class with us once. Don't know whether he lives. Yeah. I think he might live here. I don't know whether he lives here. May do. Yeah. May right, do. There you go. Um, well, wow. She knows more people than us. Yeah, get it, get it in there. The,
1: so she, um, so she kind of seen it. She kind of knows. She got it. So she really, she really got the idea. So yeah.
0: she was into it straight away. Mm-hmm. So moving on from eyes wide shut, <laughs> mm-hmm. regenerative farming.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I what, Yeah, this this is big. Okay, so get okay. So before jujitsu, before anything, I mean, my actual dream is to have a farm, right? That's really, really, really a permaculture farm. And if anybody can remember any word, it's the word permaculture. And what does right? that mean? It's not a, well, it's a type of regenerative farming. Okay, and I've got a website actually <clears throat> called the pa- pa- Paleo Permaculture
0: Oh, is that 50- the one that w- when we were when you were still in London? Yeah, the one. And I think I came over to your place when you were first. Right, or you were first trying to set it up.
1: Yeah, I was setting up then, it went, then it went down, because like, it's hard to have time for it, because it's not something that I'm trying to make any money on. It's totally a passion project. Like I'm not trying to make a living off it. I'm just obsessed with it, with permaculture. But yeah. I call it the paleo-permaculture connection, right? Because it's this concept, because, what, okay, we were talking about paleo on the last episode, right? We're talking about, which probably involves eating a lot of meat but well, not a lot, but more meat than say a vegetarian would, or say even probably more than the normal Western diet. because The normal Western diet is just shoving so much grain down their throat that they probably can't fit as much. Meat. So one of the big things that people will say is they'll go, well, uh, yeah, you know, I love, yeah, the meat's great. It's, I'm feeling so great on keto or or paleo, but God, it's just too bad. You know, I mean, there's this overpopulation, and, and you know, it's just, it's really bad for the environment. And so, I, that right there is all not true. It's, okay. well, it's, true to an, it's true to an extent. It's true that in our, our current situation with factory farming, it is true. But here's one thing I'll tell you. There's one thing, I'll see if you can agree on it, if you can figure this, and I'll ask you a question, see if you can answer it. There's one thing that factory farming and the vegan movement completely agree on. Can you guess what it is?
0: So one thing that the factory farming movement and the vegan movement completely agree on. Agree um, on.
1: And they'll, they'll, st- they'll spout the same exact uh, information.
0: Shit, you're going to need to tell me, otherwise it's going to be too much blank space. I'd like to work it out, okay. but
1: yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I can't. That- well, that that um, that the world's that, that the there's a population problem with earth, and that only factoring farming can solve it. And mm-hmm. therefore fat meat farming is part of factory farming. So vegans will say, "Well, look, it's not sustainable. We can't the, the planet can't sustain farming meat." And then the factory farming community uh, lobby will say, Look, the only way we're going to feed all these people is with factory farming. We can't there's no other way. There's, there's 7 billion people, we can't do it. So, this number of 7 billion people is an arbitrary number, right? And once you when you study when you get into permaculture enough, you start to realize that it's actually actually with a permaculture-based global system, you could feed 100 billion people. And not only do you feed 100, 100 billion people, you wouldn't need factory farms and you wouldn't need pesticides. You don't need genetically modified food. You don't need any of that shit. This idea that you need pesticides and all that is all part of the, oh, we're over, you can't, you can only, there's so many people on the planet. The only way we're going to do it is if we have pesticides and we have genetically modified, you know, it's just so many people. It's just not enough land. So many people You got to have these factory farms. It's really unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. That's the mantra that they're telling. Uh-huh. The vegan side is saying, "Well, there's just so many people on the earth. On earth, you know, we can't have we can't have meat because there's just there's just no way. There's too, all the methane and everything's destroying the planet, and, and it's all bullshit. It's all complete bullshit." Now, factory farming, 100 percent is horrible for the environment, right? Factory farming is, but there's regenerative systems, right? Which permaculture is one of them, right? And permaculture encompasses everything right? And everything about how humans live on the planet, right? And, uh, and it encompasses all that. And when you, when you start to, 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 to use those systems as a design science, really, then you start to go, Oh shit, actually
0: none of that's true. Right. Um, so well, why, why, why why is it not true? Why is it?
1: Why well, is, let's talk with cow. Let's talk about cows first and a simple one, right? Okay. Like cows. Let's we'll, we'll just talk about, uh, let's talk about over. Well, let me let me put it this way. Okay, so you've flown from you've flown from 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 Southern California to, to the East Coast before of New York, yep, before or yep. anywhere on the Eastern Seaboard. You know, yep. you go over the flyover states, right? Well, once you get past the Rocky Mountains, you start to hit Iowa, Nebraska, uh, Kansas, mm-hmm. right? If you look down, if you ever driven through that to drive from. The Rocky Mountains, of Iowa, all the way to the other side, right? That's called the bread, breadbasket belt countries or uh, states. So you know Kansas, all those. You can drive for days, right? It's all grain. It's corn, corn, wheat, wheat, barley, barley, barley corn, corn, wheat, wheat, barley, barley, barley for bazillions and bazillions and bazillions of miles, right? So that that starts at the uh, eastern edge of the Rocky Mountains, like that's pretty much the western side of the, and, and it goes all the way to the Appalachians. Now mm-hmm. there's different pockets here and there, but like Nebraska is like 97% cornfields. Kansas is again, like over 90%. Like these just, I and mean, you, you've lots seen
0: lots of grain. And there are stats to back this up that they
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. If you go to my website, the paleo permaculture connection, okay. I've got, if you, I've got different tabs and I've researched all of this stuff. So it's almost like a book. It's okay. my, like, it's my book. If you go to that website, like forget the videos. The videos are, you know, there's, there's well, one video is actually pretty good, but there's, there's videos, but go read the tabs on what permaculture is and you can actually read the statistics about, you know, exactly how big the grain belt is in America in comparison to what like, you know, it's like half the size of Europe.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, what, now, and, and really, really quickly, I was looking for your website. Um, if you try to just Google it, it's not going to come up because your SEO must be shit. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's because
1: it's so, so, I, I reinstated it recently.
0: Yeah, so what I'll, which is, well, you know, which is, it is what it is, right? But I'll, I'll make sure to put in the show description the link, the URL, so people can get that. it.
1: Yeah, if you want to read about it, because it's, 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 it's a complex issue, and it's, it's something that it's, you know, we probably won't even be able to touch on by the end of this, but I just hope that at least you get an inkling of it. So let's just let's just get back to this idea, really, this concept really quick. There's so much grain being grown in America, so much grain, Right. Now, what, what grain is what's called a um, perennial, right? So it, it, comes, it comes back every year. It doesn't come back every year. Sorry, it doesn't come back every year. You have to plant it every, you have to plant it every year. You have to plant little seeds. Then it grows, and then you completely kill it and chop it down, okay? So you grow and you plant all the seeds in the spring. You plow, first of all. First of all, plowing the soil is horrible. All you're doing is cracking the carbon out of the earth every time you run a plow. And they yeah. got, they're, plowing, they're plowing an area bigger than most like continents, right? You're, you're cracking the carbon out. Second, you plant little seeds. Again, so you've when, got nothing but dirt seeds.
0: When you say cracking the carbon out, is that relevant because it releases the carbon into the atmosphere and therefore yes, etc. etc. et, cetera, et cetera?
1: Yes, yes. And you're talking about a blank slate of desert at this point. Right. So winter comes, there's nothing, they they plow these old fields because remember all they planted the year before was something that died. Right. So then the corn grows corn, mostly corn, which is going to animals, which shouldn't be going to animals. They're feeding that to animals. But now that means tons of nitrogen right you have to have nitrogen to all that corn and they're planting too close so they pl- flood it with nitrogen then they want they don't want cornworms to eat it so they flood it with pesticides and then they don't want weeds to come up so they flood that with herbicides that all ends up in the Mississippi River and goes out into the ocean tons of it every year for the last 50 years has been happening what, why is now, so
0: i think people get why pesticides and herbicides are maybe bad why is nitrogen bad nitrogen yeah
1: well it's not it's not supposed to be put it's, it's it's synthetic for one, so it's not actual real nitrogen. Yeah, you know. So well, it is, it is nitrogen to nitrogen, but it's synthetic, so it might have other chemicals within it to help keep it together. Okay, you know? so that's part of a thing. But I'm trying. So then the corn grows, and then you cut it. So you cut this this. I mean, you're cutting tens of thousands of square miles of corn at the same time. So you turn it into a desert. There's zero oxygen being emitted, right? Mm. Zero oxygen. Now, now, what did that used to be? Grass. Not just grass, but pasture. Grass is just one species. Pastures, tons of different species. And what used to graze on that?
0: Cows? Cattle. Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay. Yeah.
1: There were bison. There were more bison, right, in North America. More bison at one time and elk and everything else. There were ever factory cows in factory farms.
0: They were, right. yeah, because they were all they, they got well, a lot of them got hunted for trophies, right?
1: Yeah, they killed them. They killed like, them. But my point was, there's, let's say there's a mm-hmm. million buffalo, and I think there I think were like more. Seven, I think they well, were well over. They yeah. were everywhere. They were everywhere. Mm-hmm. But they were all shitting their brains out, just like any other cow, right? Right. And this was in the seventeen eighteen hundreds. They were everywhere. They were everywhere. There were more buffalo roaming North America than there are cows in America now.
0: Okay, okay. So I get, so, so the point you're so the point you're making is that if there were more buffalo then than there is now, then there's actually less methane being released by the animals from all their then, farting and shitting. Well, now, than that, they were then.
1: No, no, they're still releasing the same amount of methane. Yeah. Though they were probably releasing releasing more methane then. But the difference was is that pasture acts as an absorber of carbon. Mm. So when they were shitting on the pasture, that was soaking into the ground. Yeah. Right. Right, And another thing was, is that the pasture itself, which is green grass, was emitting oxygen all the time. It wasn't getting mowed down into a desert, right? Yeah. You see what I'm yeah. saying? It wasn't getting mowed down into a desert. So, so right there, you have a net gain of oxygen, and you have a loss of carbon because you're using this natural system. So one form of permaculture is is if you convert grain, these grain fields, back to pasture and start running cattle on them, Properly, holistically, mm-hmm. you reduce methane because it's absorbing it back into the land. What what likes, what likes methane or what likes carbon? Plants, grass, pasture. They like it. Mm-hmm. So let it go back into the soil, feed the pasture, which feeds the cows, which feed us, and you create a cycle now. Okay? So what do we also don't want, we're talking about paleo. That's why it's called the paleo permaculture connection. Well, if we reduced our grain consumption around America or the world by 90%, we wouldn't need continent-sized fields of shit corn, which it is shit corn. It's not not the corn you eat at a picnic, it's not. It's like crappy corn. It's not that kind, it's like a feedlot corn. They're taking that corn and feeding it to the cows. Cows don't eat corn,
0: they eat grass. Well, they're not meant to.
1: They're not meant to, they'll like it, they'll eat it, they'll get sick. They'll get sick so you have to give them hormones, you have to give them antibiotics so they don't get sick. It's not natural and their, their fat content's different, they'll get fattier, true. But it's the wrong more more you know mega six fat. So now let's look at let's look at this let's look at this piece of property. Imagine in your brain a quick square question, mile. Quick question yeah. for
0: you though, right? So I, I get I get the logic of where you go going there. Um, so if if the corn if you if, if the corn that you were growing on that field is to feed these cows, you just put grass in there and you feed those cows with the grass instead. You replace yeah. that food source. They're roaming naturally, grass-fed, mm-hmm. the oxygen, et cetera, et cetera, All stuff that you talked about. But are there yeah. other other things? Are there other things that corn is used for that would need to get replaced? A lot of
1: it goes to feeding animals. A lot okay. of it, a lot of it, most of it goes to feeding. What animals. percentage? I would have to see. You'd have to see on my website. It's been a couple of years since I've I'd have to check. I want to say it's something like fifty or sixty percent of it yeah another thing they do is they make corn syrup i mean how fucking good is that for you right so there you go so now you're making sugar with it shit sugar too right like okay so that's it really doesn't have much of a you know this is the whole paleo thing we're going back to that like you said if you ever have your kid eat a corn on the cob and then you change his diaper a little baby changes diaper later there's the fucking corn doesn't look any different it's still yellow corn you know they just swallowed it your body doesn't digest it right so imagine Turning that into a sweetener, like your body doesn't digest corn already; it passes it through. That's why you see it in, a, in a kids' diapers. It doesn't really absorb very well into your body. And now, and now they're grinding it up into like, they're grinding it up into a, a powder, and then you eat it. Ooh, what is it? it must get totally clog your, your 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 intestine. So, replacing replacing uh replacing all these corn fields, right? If we have a paleo lifestyle where we're reducing our corn cons- our grain consumption, which again. I'm not against eating grain, just reducing it by 90%, then you don't need all these fields of corn, right? Or grain or wheat or all that. You, well, you can the replace them.
0: I've pulled, up, I've pulled up some stats. And the other thing, you know, it, uh, this is, it says 38% goes to feed. Then some some a smaller amount gets carried over for the year later. Um, mm-hmm. A smaller amount gets used by distillers for like booze. But there's 30, 30, 30% that gets used for ethanol production. So ethanol, is that gas? Mm,
1: yeah, it's an additive for gas. I mean, that's okay. one thing. I don't think that's, it's not, it's apparently it's, it doesn't make like you can make, uh, you know, out of algae, you can, you can, you can produce the same amount of fuel in one acre of corn as you can in two parking lots of algae. Like, wow. size, you know, the, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not even effective. It's not even effective for that. Plus you have to use tractors to harvest it. So it's kind of like kind of defeating the purpose. Okay. Right. So, so, So imagine these grain fields getting turned back into the natural habitat, which was Nebraska all the way to the Appalachians. That was all rolling fields of just pasture, just Mm -hmm. green, thick. I'm talking like as tall as you grass, just forever, Mm -hmm. you know, going on forever. And they just munch it down and they move through it. They mowed right through it and they actually have a symbiotic relationship with the the grass pasture itself. Like it's been going on for millions of years. The buffalo. The buffalo. The buffalo did. They'd run through there. They'd piss, shit, eat. The, the way that they would cut with their mouths on the grass was exactly where the grass wanted to be cut, which stimulated growth. Their feet would go in there and pound in really hard for a day, open up divots. There's all kinds of microorganisms then working with the manure, all kinds of life. I mean, a spoonful of that soil has got like universe galaxies amounts of life form in it. right? And the- that shit in the, the cornfields, nothing. It's complete sand complete sand there's it's dead it's dead right now it's completely dead the original pastures and some pastures that are still around that were never farmed you can take a spoonful of it and and bazillions of life forms in it that are all part of the natural ecosystem so Mm. permaculture is about the natural ecosystem of things and it's about taking symbiotic relationships and having them work for you so you don't have to add uh Uh, fertilizers and things like that and it naturally happens now let's just think take it a little step further here so oh great okay we got all these grasslands now right got all these grasslands Um, what does that do so we're gonna have shitloads of meat what about vegetables? well you you start to permaculture has this concept of layering vertically so not only are you just gonna have you know a bunch of cows working in you know people's property within this circular pattern quickly moving through the space, eating quickly, moving, 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 moving. You also start to put in orchards, so you have trees. Mm-hmm. But you don't have just one tree, because one of the big problems with like, an apple orchard is it's really stupid to actually have an apple orchard. What you want to have is an orchard of mixed fruits and nuts and regular trees. Because what happens with, say, a particular uh, pest is if it runs into an apple orchard, it runs into the first tree. It goes, ooh, we'll eat all these apples, yum, 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 yum they reproduce really quickly that insect because it found the food source, but then it swarms the rest of the apples mm-hmm. because it recognizes the food source that's all around it. That's not natural. Apples aren't supposed to be in an orchard like that. But if it, if it ran into that apple and it created a, 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 its it, offspring off of this apple, and then the next tree over was a pear, it'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, this, this is, this is Let's go find the apples. and leaves the pear alone. Mm. And then the next one's a, a walnut tree. And then in this tree. And then there's a oh, normal tree, an oak tree, an oak tree that drops acorns. Then the pigs eat because you know in Spain they have the, the best pork is the ones that have been eating acorns. And so you have to create this biodiversity, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to you have to really plan it out carefully with the way the, the water's flowing on the land. You have to you have to you have to have an, an idea of how to capture the water in the land and soak it into the land. There's ways to do that where these like sort you cut these ravines and then you put the trees on the other side of the ravine. So when the water catches in the ravine, it soaks into the earth. So you really stop, you know, you can get through any really bad drought this way, but you create a biodiversity where you have, uh, so for example, you have the animals rolling, roaming. You have also mixed animals. You keep sheep with cows, with pigs, with everything's working. Cause like on a Savannah, you know, all the animals are everywhere, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to have just the same animals together, but you also have smaller trees. And then above that, there's the higher canopy which like avocado trees grow really high, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, you know, you create this, you're, you're using one, you know, one space, imagine a square mile, but instead of just having corn grow six feet high, and that's all you have one crop that's called a monoculture, you grow a polyculture, which means you take the same space, have it work as a natural ecosystem, Right. And you grow all kinds of foods, so all kinds of nuts, fruits. Uh,
0: are there vegetables. places? Are there places where this is done today?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one one so one website to follow is the Savory Institute, right? Oh, say say that again. Savory Institute. Savory, uh, Alan Savory. Go to his TED talk, Alan Savory. He's got a great story. He's from Africa. He completely understands this whole soil biology thing with how how you take animals and actually use them to regenerate dead land so you got land that was you know is completely dead there's a way to holistically graze it where you actually bring the land back and get the soil back and get the microorganisms back once you get the microorganisms in the soil back get it from turning from get it from sand and rock back into soil because soil is like a rich it's of like gooey <laughs> black stuff right then you get massive growth and then you get oxygen coming out like crazy and you get you get uh, carbon soaked back into the earth, and all of a sudden, you start terraforming places. So deserts can turn into oasises, right? Um, dead land can come back again. All that corn that I was telling you about, all that, you go, go, to, go to any of these massive super farms out in Nebraska, you take a spoonful of that soil, it's dead. It is complete sand. The only way that corn is growing is because they put crap fertilizer on it. That's the only way. That's, what, that's the only way it grows. It doesn't have to be that way. But one thing about permaculture is Lawrence, one thing about it, it doesn't jive well with corporate interests, right? It doesn't jive well. It's not good. It's not good. It's not a great business model. What it is good for (laughs) is the family farm model though. So what the world needs is we don't need, we don't need businesses, big corporations running farms. We need, we need farmers with families. So a farmer, let's say a farmer has a hundred acres. That that hundred acres can produce enough food that they can feed, you know, I don't know, a hundred other families. But those need we need a lot more family farms, like way more family farms, and then they need to be up uploading their food into the into the local markets and and into big cities. So and, why, that, and it could totally work, it could totally hundred percent work. But,
0: but that's what we that's what we used to have, I'm guessing, right? I, until because you know modern copper, I think we can. We can fall into the trap as humans, and I fall into this trap all the time. Let's take um, any corporation. Let's take Walmart as an example, or let's take... Um, well, Monsanto's a big one. Well, I I don't want to go... I want, I want to specifically talk about non. You, you don't want to get capped. Oh, do. They, they can... I <laughs> they're
1: going to knock the door down, door down and shoot you if we say anything. Okay, we won't talk about Monsanto.
0: All right, no, go. they can talk about Monsanto. They can, <laughs> they, they can come on. Hit them across the head with my new guitar. Um, but they've got... I, I just I wanted to use a non kind of a non unrelated example sure. like like Barclays Bank Barclays Bank is a corporation right And banks are, banks have been around for some time but mostly large corporations are I can hear the selfie stick by the way do um, you sorry, sorry. No problem um, and they can you, you think that corporations have been around forever but really you know they haven't it's a fairly modern thing and before that you had, you know, individual small stores and Starbucks is a really good example, right? Starbucks, a lot of these things, they start off as small individual stores and they grow and they grow and they become a corporation. super
1: massive places. Yeah. And they killed off all the small, the shoe cobbler and whatever they, all the small businesses, right? Walmart. Well, if you go into a Walmart, as you know, now, right, you go in, it's got everything. It's got an eye doctor.
0: So why, so why? so if, if, you know what you're talking about as a potential system, and I'm oversimplifying. We kind of had, in many ways, beforehand, right? That's how we lived. That's how we got our food, or at least I'm assuming, right? Based on you know, sure, the I've yeah, seen. yeah. Why did it go away, and what what's preventing it from coming back?
1: Well, that's a good point. One really great book. This all this whole thing got kicked off with me about 15 years ago when I read The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan. Okay. That's a really, really good book. That, that opened up, but it was still very sort of blue belt entry, white belt entry stuff, right? I've gotten much, much deeper into that. Like I said, follow Alan Savory. Uh, follow this guy named Jeff Lawton with a G. Jeff Lawton, he's an Australian. He's probably the, the Helio Gracie right now of, Jeff Lawton. How do you how do you how do you, how do you G G E O F F and then Lawton? He's got some great videos.
0: Yeah, how do you spell Lawton? I know I can spell Jeff. L A
1: No well it's Jeff, it's Jeff with a G though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lawton L A L A Yeah, okay. L A W T O N. And he's got videos you can follow. You can if you join his email list, you can get the videos and for free, but you just have to join his email list. He's kind of weird like that. Um, but he, he he's, he's really opened my mind. Like he actually shows you – you know how I used to have chickens and everything? And it's like you get totally into like growing your own food and, and you start – but then you start seeing how much oxygen you can produce with this stuff, like how much carbon you can sequester. And it can totally happen. And one thing that would totally help is if, A, obviously grain shouldn't be fed to animals. Although there is a use for that. Like if you're in North Dakota and the whole place has been snowed in, it's going to help to feed your animals some grain to get through a few months. I get mm-hmm. that, right? Um, and let's say we stop eating so much grain products, then we then there's a better chance at turning this uh, this land back into this natural ecosystem, which not only is great for wildlife, right? Because with with permaculture, you have to leave a lot of space open for pure wildlife. Like that's part of the, that's part of the tenants, right? So um, then, then you could, and it's very, very possible. And you create a, I mean, you could generate loads of meat and loads of vegetables. And, you know, so it's really permacultures really makes a lot more sense to grow whole foods like vegetables and meat and animals, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it has to go, uh, so sorry to get back to your question. How did this all start? It happened after World War II, right? What happened was after World War II, um, the war was over, and it first kicked off with uh, – nitrogen was a huge um, a chemical used to make uh, bombs, right? They used a lot of nitrogen, and the war ended, and they basically had boatloads, like boatloads of nitrogen chemical products. And a lot of the bomb-making um, uh, military um, bomb and chemical companies – I believe Monsanto was one of them – it's like, we're like, what the fuck do we do now? You know, there's no war anymore. What do we do with all these chemicals? They figured out that they could turn it into farm products, mm. right? And then they started buying up lots of land from families, right? Um, and they just started, it became, you know, after World War II, there was just a lot of money floating around America. And these corporations that just won the war, right, um, got very powerful and a lot of them got into farming. And then the next thing you know, I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of these farms are just owned by big corporations and they go on and on. A lot of farmers that still live on them that are family farms have contracts with the big companies and they're barely getting by. Like they're just barely selling enough corn to survive. A lot of them are going bankrupt. A lot of them are getting blackmailed or, or getting, you know, their farms are getting dangled in front of them if they can't produce enough, you know, corn and so they don't do that well. And it needs to go back to that system because it's very, very, you know, doable very possible to, to, mm. to, 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 to generate i mean i'm not joking you literally literally just america could feed 100 billion 100 billion people i have no doubt about it when you start looking at the numbers and the science and how much food you could generate just between colorado and and the Appalachians and up halfway into canada and down into mexico just that area 100 billion people no problem and i'm not talking crap food i'm talking like everybody eats lamb chops who, Everybody has pork chops. Who, who,
0: who, who run who run the numbers? And obviously, it wasn't you that run the numbers. But who who did the research and analysis to kind of suggest that that's possible with that space of land?
1: Well, on the actual hundred billion, it's it's really hard to tell. You know, I didn't come up with a. I mean, I I'm. I'm let me just say that that's just a feeling on the hundred billion. Yeah. You know, a hundred. There's there's seven billion right now. But here's another. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. We're never getting to that number. You know why? There's a good chance we're never getting that number because what's happening is is if you look at population growth, let's just segue right into the immigration issue, right? America, Europe, the Asian countries that are first world, so we're talking, well, especially China, even China has already got that policy. China, Japan, Korea, Singapore, these kind of places. First world countries, Canada, America, Australia, uh, Australia New Zealand, South Africa, well, not South Africa, sorry. Right. they're all in a declining population, right? Really? Their population growth is declining. Yeah, yeah, it's declining. It's declining really, yeah, it's declining. From that birth. means there's less-
0: So there's the, the, so the more people that die in than they've been born?
1: No, we're producing less babies per couple. Okay. Right? I mean, like, let's take, let's just take, let's take you, your wife, me, my ex-wife, and Jack and my brother, my, my brother and his wife. That's six adults. We've only produced five, five kids.
0: Yeah.
1: That's that's a negative. Yeah. Right? I've got brother. I've got some stepbrothers and sisters. None of they haven't even had kids. Think about how many friends you know that are over forty the don't
0: have My older brother is right. now declining. No kids.
1: Yeah. Why is that? What the reason that is is because we're first world countries and women went back to work, right? And when women go to work, they're not staying at home having babies anymore. They don't want to.
0: They well, want to have I, usually I, I, two. I think there's a combination. There's a combination of things right there. It's um, I talk about this with a lot of wife. A lot of women now, um, you know, and rightly so. Absolutely right. You know, I think more sure. women now want to have careers, and you know, yes, I, I support my wife in that 110. Um, percent But also, I think for a lot of people, the more unfortunate truth is how much it costs to, to just 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 to live means it's very difficult to get by for a lot of people on one wage. So for a lot of people, to get forced back into work as well.
1: Well, the markets moved along with this trend, right? The markets made it that way, where you kind of have to have, you know, you know, two, two, <laughs> two breadwinners to keep things going. But women in America, well, women in first world countries, let's call it that, they're they're generally going to go n- no more than two usually. And then, there, of course, we all know people that do have three or four kids, and but that's usually a woman that's like accepted the fact that they actually want to be a stay at home mom and they're yeah, having that and everything. No, no problem with that. I'm right? thinking
0: of I'm thinking of one two. Um three, four, ten, ten good friends, all in our thirties, one or two in the forties. And between all of it, I think the most anyone has is two kids. Some right. people have no kids yet and some people have yep. one kid.
1: Exactly. You put those statistics together, we're declining. Right, so the population is already declining in first-world countries. Right okay. now, that's a statistical fact. That's not something I made up. That's or, or come up with as a as a gut feeling. That's 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 a statistical fact. That's all you know. That's available everywhere. But so we know why. Right, it's women. No problem with that. That's great. Um, but there's a few places left on the earth. Well, mainly Africa is huge. Right, women are still don't have an. Uh, an uh, they don't have. They're they're still stay. You know, having lots of babies. The Middle East. Lots of babies and parts of Southeast Asia and different places like that. Lots of babies. So what's going to, how do we change this? It'd be nice to get to a nice, comfortable 10 billion or not go over that. You just It's all about educating women. That's that's, it's that simple. The, the more money and influence you try in any programs to educate women in third world countries and say, wait a minute, if you want, if you want freedom of choice here, You know, you have these options and changing the way their culture works a little bit. Say, you know, it used to be in American culture and British culture, women stayed home. They had lots of babies, right? Mm -hmm. More babies. You know, it's changed here. It doesn't mean it's not going to change over there, right? And once you do that, then you're going to start balancing the population. That's why I think it's going to stop. I don't think it could possibly go over 12,000. There's a chance that if if the world goes into chaos, 12 billion. I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to go over 12 billion. I think it's going to level off around 12 billion once. Cause I think that Asia and Africa, I think that eventually probably in the next 40 years is going to open up and more education is going to get in there. And women are going to say, well, you know what? I'll have two and I'm out and go get a career and, and do that. And hey, I still got two kids. That's great. Or, you know, and then and maybe some have three, but then that means somebody else had one. So then that evens out. Some people had none. Right. Um, and so, 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 so we don't need factory farming. At the, at the bottom of the day, we just don't need it. And I wish that everybody out there would not believe that freaking goddamn saying that we, we need factory farming. We can't feed all these people and we really need it. No, it's not true. Everybody can eat meat. Trust me. Everybody can eat meat. You can all eat meat. We already know it's not bad for you, right? It's an excellent source of, of calories in a very dense amount. You know, 300 grams of, of beef with fat in it. I mean, grass-fed. The, the really right batter. kind, yeah.
0: The right kind of
1: right. Meat. The right kind, yeah, yeah. It's that with some vegetables. That's a pack. Yeah, that punches a real pack of, of, of calories. You know, you know. In, if you see a lot of vegans, and believe me, I love vegans. They're great. And, and, um, and I think you should eat more vegetables than meat, actually. But they graze a lot. They eat a lot of food because they have to. I mean, Jack Clover was just here. He's a vegetarian. Every three hours, he's, we need to get some food, when you get some food. And I'm like, I eat once a day. So I'm like, God, I, don't, I guess we'll go eat. You know what I mean? Right, mean, once or twice a day, depending. But so there's a there's a lot of nutrition there that, that we're losing, and it's we're sh- a cow can share the space with an orchard, right? It can share the space. If you ever go to the African savannah, you'll notice that what follows cows are all the uh, wildebeests around. All kinds of birds do. God, mixing chickens with. With, go, go go to my website there's a there's a the video I did where I interviewed a farmer a permaculture okay. farmer in Kent right and it's called Land, Landu's meadow farm mm-hmm. and this guy bought this old piece of property and he said you know and he started using the permaculture system and he could there was on one side of his property it was a north facing and it was called the copse which is like a, a forest right a thick 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 forest that was on a slope and so forever, since the dawn of time, since people have been living in England, nobody ever planted in this forest because it's you know, it's north-facing, so it doesn't get the sun. It's sloped to where you couldn't plant anything, even if you cut all the trees. It was just dead space. It was really, really cheap. Okay? So he used permaculture thinking. Well, what likes forests? Pigs. Pigs like forests. Pigs don't have a lot of fur because they actually come from forests. Mm-hmm. right? So he – he created these spaces in this forest and started free ranging pigs in the forest. Okay? So they're living, they're eating snails, they're digging up stuff, living in the forest. So then, he, then he thought, well, huh. And he put, so he said, so then he thought, what else can I put in the forest? And this is dead space. For the last thousand years, nobody's planted anything here. It was just a place to get firewood, right? He put chickens in there, and the chickens started living with the pigs. And guess what? You'd think, well, living in England, you can't let chickens go in the forest. You can't let chickens run free in england there's foxes everywhere I'm not a fox fucked with these guys because the pigs were like don't come anywhere near our chicken buddies right <laughs> the chick- the chickens are like p- pulling ticks off them the chicks the chicks are are getting into stuff and-, and and scratching stuff up and they're working together as a team the chickens They only, they only had one chicken die because the chicken was sleeping next to a pig and a pig just rolled over and flattened it that was the only chicken that died <laughs> And at night, the chickens would go up in the trees where they're natural. They're not supposed to be in little coops. They're living up in the trees, but he still got them trained to lay eggs in little boxes. Like, that's an example of taking a space that was useless and worthless, creating fucking amazing bacon out of it. I can tell you that right now with beautiful bacon uh, and eggs and poultry, dead space, you, and, and not doing anything. He would give them a little bit of grain just to keep them going so they didn't run off. He had an electrical fence that kept them in, so he moved them around in the fresh parts of the forest. Mm-hmm. But they were free ranging. These were very, very happy animals. And that's another thing that every vegan could is like. Is these animals are living. The way I can describe it is with permaculture systems with, with, with animals, is you're trying to you're trying to give them the most natural environment they have. The only thing is, the only thing that's different is to them they probably don't notice it, is they don't seem to be getting picked off by any predators like the wolves aren't dragging them down and eating them from the fricking guts up. Eventually a couple get pulled off and don't come back. Right. But at the end of the day, nobody's getting killed in like open space by like wolves or anything like that. And so that one example, he, he check out his farm. It's only two and a half years old when I went, I got to go back and film it again. But yeah, he, he was, he was, um, he has an amazing farm. So they're, they're popping up and it's going to happen and just the word needs to get out. People need to stop believing this bullshit that factory farming is the only way to feed everybody and that we can't go back to a family farm-based system, right? And a family farm, that guy should be making really good money. Like after everything's said and done, you know, um, you know let's say the average family farm, after everything's said and done, bills are paid, but he should have a hundred grand net after that. That's a minimum, if not half a million, a good farmer, right? Mm-hmm. There should be a lot more farmers. There should be the guy that when you go to your, you know, your school should have a couple farmer dads right and they're not going to look like the old guy with the thing you know they're going to be technology guys right they have to deal with a certain equipment they have to be you know very thoughtful people not everybody's going to succeed at it it's, it's very challenging it's a, it's a real science it's really amazing and is, is, is,
0: and is the reason that people are not making money from this because when we got into i'm theorizing here and you were talking about the nitrogen um, what I understood from that, the nitrogen after the Second World War, from what I also understand after the Second World War, um, uh, you know, a lot, in America, a lot of people were saying, oh, we don't have enough food, but they had all this excess corn. And then someone at the same time, a little bit later in Japan, invented high fructose corn syrup. And mm-hmm. it, we, we got far more into a mass production of food. And the other thing as well after the Second World War is all the other First World economies, or most of them, their economies were pretty much fucked for a long period of time. So yeah. the, where, did, where did people go to get their stuff, whether it's food or otherwise? They came, the US became the marketplace of the world. So that drove a lot of the change um, Yeah, and I think with, um, you know, with that mass production comes cost efficiency. So the, I think probably the biggest problem that farmers like, like this guy can't make as much money is because people don't want to stock their product as much. They won't sell as much because it's more expensive. Is that true today? I know it would maybe wouldn't be true over well, time with scale, but is that true today? Well, some of them are making a lot of money
1: now. Permaculture for, permaculture farmers make a lot of money. It just takes them about five years, yeah. Okay. Because you build, you have to build an ecosystem first. Like that's the most important thing. You have to look at your ecosystem and say, well, what grows here naturally? So you're not supposed to be growing avocados in Missouri, or trying to. Corn, corn grows everywhere. It's from Mexico, but it can grow. It can grow in a lot of places, but it grows better in some places than others. But a lot of permacultures are making a lot of money, but one thing is they're they're not is subsidized by the government. These big corporations that are making all this corn, they're all subsidized. They're, mm-hmm. Your taxes are paying for them to make this cornmeal. This cornmeal ends up in big sacks, and then it goes. It's used as a barter to for us to screw over third world countries that don't have enough food, and we send oh we're giving you food aid. We're giving them sacks of shit, powder. Yeah, okay. If you eat it, you won't die. I get it, right? So a lot of that's subsidized. Right? Mm. We have a, a surplus of it. We don't even need that much. And again, like I said, that corn's not that corn in the cob you have at the picnic. It's it's like a it's a different hybrid corn that's like ground down for meal. It's like you know back to the fruit fruit the fructose thing. The reason that came about too in America was that sugarcane doesn't really grow in North America. It's a tropical mm. tropical plant, right? So you've got places like Cuba. Right? We can't buy sugar from them. They make tons of sugar. They're an embargo. Right? Yeah. So, other tropical, where else are you going to get it from around there? Oh, you can get it from Mexico, but that's expensive. You got to give it up, give it to the Mexicans. No, no, no. Well, wait a minute. We can make our own sugar. So, that was a, that was a big part of it. You know, again, back to grain. It's this grain thing. The paleo permaculture connection is this co- concept that if we not only change what we eat and how we eat, it's not only just good for our bodies, but it can actually parlay into so much more you know so much more as to far as literally being an environmentalist a real one right because the word sustainability i think i think the word uh sustainability is one of the worst words ever to describe food why would you want to sustain an environment regenerative agriculture permaculture is regenerating it a permaculture farm every year on year produces more oxygen than it did before that's your goal your goals your goal it's, it's to get better every year, to produce more oxygen every year, to sequester more carbon, to, to get a better yield on food, right? That's the goal. Like, that's the goal, not sustain it. Why would you want it every year, oh, we're just producing this much uh, oxygen and this much food? Oh, we're making that's, just, that's sustaining. That's staying the same. Regenerating is going uphill, right? Or, or going an upward chart, right? And so, so it can 100% happen. It's already happening. Nobody just really knows about it because it's not really a very interesting topic to anybody. That especially with these, the, the, the power of the corporations for food. You, know, you do have to change the way you eat. I can say, how can you start? One is follow Jeff Lawton, right? I look at him as like, he's like a god, really. And he's got like, I don't know, 10,000, 5,000 followers. And then some Kim Kardashian has like 10 billion, right? And you're like, ah, these are two different people. One one <laughs> is like got the answers to the entire world. One's twerking with her fake butt, right? Follow, follow um, Jeff uh, The Savory Institute. Follow them. Right. Also, get into st- get into like reading about permaculture and start start a garden in your own in your own back garden. Start with that. Just start off with a couple tomato plants. Right. So I always have tomato plants. See, I got them right there.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at Jeff Lawton stuff. Okay, your phone's gone off. I can't see your screen, buddy. There you go. You're
1: back. Sorry, there you are. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was trying. I was you my tomato plant. I was showing you my tomato plants. So start a garden. Right. Learn what regenerative garden gardening is right? Plant whole foods, right? Now, real quick, I got to tell you about the Three Sisters,
0: right? The Three Sisters, it does involve pause, grains and doesn't... Well, go ahead. Paul's really quick. I just need to go to the bathroom and then we'll... I'll be right back. <laughs>
1: okay. You're still recording. Well, if you're still recording, I'm just going to go off and tell you guys about um, the uh, Mallorca BJJ Festival. Um, it's on the 14th of October. It's five days. Um, we've got 18 instructors total. Um, we've got a guy that's trained with Wim Hof. So we're going to do cold water immersion, um, in an ice bath. So you can do that. There's also an amazing spa. You can get massages all day long. Um, i got a discount on them. They were, I think they normally charge like, this is by Clarence. If you ever looked up Clarence, Clarence is the best, um, spa, one of the best, Spa companies in Europe, so they're the they're the masseuses, right? They're really good. But I got a discount on them. Um, if you if you book now, obviously you can probably get that for free because your credit can go towards it. Um, I've also got a discount on all the food and drinks because it's like a five star hotel, uh, and um, so they were not like five euros for a for a beer. So I got that down to like three for a good sized beer, decent beer um the opening night i think you're still recording right you're still recording yes good i was just talking to everybody about the festival while you were gone i was just saying let me finish my thought with them real quick i was saying that the uh uh the opening night uh drinks are included um i was telling them everybody about the massages and everything anyway what we were talking about was the um what were you saying
0: you were gonna you were gonna mention the three sisters
1: Three sisters, yeah, 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 yeah. So, first of all, to to bring this back to jujitsu, I teach the three sisters. I've called it. I've coined it. The three sisters is when you're playing a high guard. Mm -hmm. The three sisters in jujitsu is triangle armbar Mm umapata. Those are the three sisters in jujitsu because you can go between the you can go between all three of them. So I call them the three sisters. Yeah. So that's my tie to permaculture. Real quick, the the so. The Native Americans discovered the three-sister system, and this is an example of permaculture, right? Getting different uh, plants to work together. So they, they're the ones that discovered corn. So I don't, I'm not, nothing against corn. I, I'd still have corn in my own little permaculture. farm. I'd have it, you know. But what, the, the problem with corn is it needs nitrogen, right? Well, what grows nitrogen? There's one plant out there that the roots actually develop nitrogen nodules on it.
0: Do you know means- what is Be it beans what? okay they, yeah, they, beans. There's, a, there's a film i watched i had this in there but i couldn't remember but anyway beans
1: ah okay i'll tell you beans so beans right beans their roots actually create nitrogen nodules which guess who needs that corn so beans give nitrogen to the corn but what's the what's the corn giving the beans i don't know ah i'll tell you beans need something to climb So as the corn's climbing, it climbs up the stalk of the corn stalk, Mm. It climbs up, circles the corn, it climbs up, okay? So it's feeding it nitrogen, but the corn's acting as something to climb so it can come up to the sun. So they're working together. Then you got the last one, which is squash. That's the third sister. What did squash do? Squash, you plant it right next to the third, you know, you plant all three seeds together. You plant the squash. Squash makes big leaves, right? And what squash would do is make big bushy leaves. And after the, after the, after the corn shot up high enough, the beans follow the stalk, the squash leaves surround the whole bottom, which keeps the moisture into the soil. Mm -hmm. So you don't have, you didn't have to water it as much. So the beans was helping everybody out. What did you get? You got corn, you got beans and you got squash and they all worked together. That's an example of permaculture. That's just one example. So you would have some of that growing on a permaculture farm along with all these other orchards and different, there's so, I mean, it goes on and on. It goes, the chicken, if I, th- I could do a whole episode on, on chicken keeping, natural ki- chicken keeping, like you don't need to actually feed chickens. You can actually feed them completely from your kitchen. Remember, did you ever see my chickens in London? Yeah, I did. You did. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, again, and a lot of this stuff works when you reduce. So this connection if, if Permaculture works well with growing whole foods, basically, not grains as well. Yeah. But we know our body does well on these foods too, and so that's the the, the idea of, of of my website.
0: Dude, I'm blown away. I'll be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: because I, 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 I know we. I, I think we've very vaguely touched on some of these subjects in the past, but I'm. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little lost for words actually with how how powerful a lot of that stuff sounds in terms of what it yeah. can, you know, the, the potential of what it has to do to reshape how we live completely it, how we it live. It can, it hundred
1: percent can, and I think you know when you think about these mental health issues, like gardening is one of the greatest things you can do to get your hands in soil and watch things grow that you work to create. And eat it. Give it to your kids. That's part of the. You know, we talked about hunt, this paleo thing. Remember, we're hunters and gatherers. Mm-hmm. So by putting a, a garden in your back in your backyard, that's 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 allowing you to go back to this this, this ancient thing that's in your DNA. Just like you want to choke somebody. That's like, I'm gathering. I'm actually, I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm actually, there's, there's, some, there's a tomato. I'm going to pull it right off the vine. I'm going to just bite it right now. Mm. You know, picking strawberries out of your own garden, picking things off trees, oranges, stuff like that. Like, that's gathering. And you need to do that. Because one thing you learn about permaculture, and I'll let you go, because I know you want to go, is you have to look at animals where they're in their natural environment. You want the pigs in the forest because that's where pigs belong, they love being in the forest. They don't want to be out in the open pasture. Neither do the chickens, because the chickens are scared of hawks. But in the trees, they're safe. Chickens and pigs belong in forests. Cows don't want to be in the forest. They want to be on the grasslands. Nothing's going to eat them out there, at least nothing small. Right? So that they're happiest. Cows are happiest when they're out there on the grass just munching away. Pigs are happiest when they're out there in the forest. Humans are happy doing human things. Right? Mm. So... Not only can it, there's so it can it goes on and on. Not only if you can bring permaculture into your own life, even if you have an apartment and you've only got a couple windowsills, just to have some herbs growing that you can cut off the you know some 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 rosemary, some thyme. That right there can give you enough a little bit of joy just to cut them and smell it and go, oh, that's gonna go nice in that little thing there, and 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 that's enough. Even if you live in an apartment just with a windowsill, you can do it. Everybody can do it, and if everybody did it, that's the beginning. Of going well, maybe you know, maybe you know, maybe that little planter box out there, I could do some tomatoes, and then next thing you know, you got a couple chickens. Yeah, you know, and you can expand, and you can max out what your little space is, and then maybe, you'll, maybe I'll just buy from the local farmer down there. You know, I know it's a little bit more, but maybe I'll buy from them, and then then that's how change happens, right?
0: Mm. Vote with your dollars. Yes, vote with your fork. Vote with your fork. Yeah, vote with your fork. <laughs> That's another good way to put it. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't want to go, but I need to go for... Yeah, I know, buddy. We'll, we'll catch up again, soon. Yeah, I, I think... Have you, how, much, how much of this have you covered? Do you think there's like a, another... We could do another episode on this, like a part two?
1: On um, permaculture?
0: Yeah. Dude, dude. Let's we do can, a part two.
1: <sighs> we could go on forever. I mean, we can go on forever on this. I mean, if you want to come down the rabbit hole... Oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you like, if you like, you know, well, if you like, you like jujitsu, you like pro- problem solving, right? It's about problem solving. There's this massive issue with this population thing and chemicals and food and health and all that. And I think it all comes back to here. People ask me, well, when people come to the, oh, i give to a charity. I'm like, I'm not giving you any of the charity other than Alan Savory or any of these permaculture things. Cause they're going to solve all of it anyway. I sound like a religious person. Oh, I'll just give it all to Jesus. It'll fix everything. No, yeah, it, this, but this really does, this actually goes to producing stuff. You know, if you, if you give these other charities like the Savory Institute, you can, you, can, you can give them money. Um, that's who I'll, only be, I'll give money to, or Jeff Lawton, I'll give them, him money for charity. That's who I, that's, those are my charitable causes because I think that's going to bring a lot more happiness to the world and a lot more health and and, and 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 productivity to the world, you know, and jobs, a lot more jobs. You know, you need more farmers, like actual people, to go out there and work their, with their hands and create food, make food here, locally, everywhere. You can do it in Europe, South America, yeah, anywhere. It doesn't matter. But anyway, check out my website. Um, obviously, check out Miorca, uh, the Mjorka, my website for the festivals, Miorca. Uh,
0: you just cut out. Just oh, cut out.
1: Sorry, I'm coming back. I'm coming there back. I'm coming. Miorca BJJ and Yoga Festival uh-huh. mijorca bjj and yoga festival dot com um, paleopermaculture dot com check that out check out our instagram, which is um Mallorca bjj fest mm-hmm. right check that out um, we've got some really cool videos coming out that we filmed um, so we're happy excited about that and um, man I, I, I still really hope you can come out here somehow maybe you can stay with me get the whole yeah. family there with you huh.
0: I'll see we're, we're moving we're looking to buy I'm looking to open, open looking to open the school it's a little bit bad timing but yeah we'll see yeah
1: I hear you no worries buddy. we'll see maybe, a we'll, stuff. maybe we'll do a, a podcast from there how about that Ooh, that'd
0: be cool that'd yeah? be cool that'd be very cool okay, let's, I, I, I'd like to do a part two on this permaculture stuff um, I think this fascinates me and I think what we're, you know, I know people listening, maybe thinking, well, this is, this is a bloody Jiu-Jitsu physical optimization expert. What are you yakking on about? I think we're touching on, um, you know, very indirectly, you know, like nutrition, right? And how, you know, what you eat and where it comes from and you are, you, you are what your food eats. That kind yeah. Of, that, kind of, that kind of mentality. Yeah. So I, I think this is it's broader and it's deeper and it goes beyond just thinking about, oh, okay, I'm going to go and get organic and grass fed. Right. It's, um, I'm interested, right? I do have to go, but I, let's do, yeah. let's do a part two and it's, let's keep it set in, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks. So okay. it's, not, yeah, it's sure. not too far away and we're still really thinking about it. Um, cause I'm fascinated by this and I'm sure a lot of other people are going to be fascinated by this. So, and you could have the honor of potentially being someone who comes on for the first time for three times for the third.
1: I'll take that, man. I mean, look, I'd love to have a part two. It's something I really, I really am passionate about. Like I, you know, I've got no, you know, I've got this website. I've got, I'm going to make YouTube. I've made YouTube videos. You can see them on the website. Uh, There's no financial interest in to me at all. It's completely a a passion of like something that I feel needs to happen. So if I can get the word out in any way, it's, you know, it's a fascinating subject. If you like these kind of things, Mm. If you like, Ecosystem and and, and and the way systems can work together to help each other uh, and produce like abundance of food. I know we touched a little bit last time about the original Native Americans and what they did. They they were doing a lot of this stuff already. A lot of lo farms even 50 years ago weren't doing it. You have to go back 100, 200. Some were doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll, we'll tell you. We'll talk more about it, man. It's it's good to talk to you always.
0: Absolutely, All right. Buddy, have a great evening. Enjoy Spain, Mallorca. I will speak. And thank so you. So
1: Okay, brother, take care. Bye bye, Bye, everybody.